Welcome to our weekly podcast, and for the last time in 2021, Merry Christmas. We're in week four of a message series called Jesus Is. Throughout the month of December, we've been unpacking what the prophet Isaiah wrote about the Messiah in the Old Testament. Over 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah wrote about how the Messiah would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, throughout this series, we've learned that these aren't necessarily names, but instead are kingly descriptions of the Messiah's character. As our wonderful counselor, Jesus is uniquely special and miraculous. He goes before us, leading us in the direction that God wants us to go. As our mighty God, you know, that word mighty literally means power. It means strength and more accurately, hero. So as our mighty God, Jesus is our hero God who gives us the power that we need to be effective in our witness for him. He gives us the strength that we need to get through the storms of life. And he's the one who secures our eternity as our everlasting father. This is the description that we unpacked last week. Jesus is our forever king, who's the author of our salvation. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, and the one who sits at the right hand of God the Father, interceding on our behalf. Today we're going to talk about the last kingly description that Isaiah wrote about. This is the truth about how Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Now, if you have a Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, has been the primary passage for our Christmas series this year, with verse 6 being the key verse for each message. I'm going to read through the entire passage one last time. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, God humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. By the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you've shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah lived and spoke for God during one of the most difficult times in the history of God's people. This was a time of gloom and distress. These are the words that Isaiah chose to use to describe this period of time. Yet he reassured these people that there were better days ahead. Over 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah wrote about how the Messiah would be called Prince of Peace, having gone through one king after another, 
always being threatened by neighboring nations, hearing about the ten tribes of Israel being enslaved and exiled by the Assyrians. This truth about the Messiah being called the Prince of Peace probably sounded really great. These people probably wanted some peace in their lives. Isaiah wasn't the only prophet who wrote about this important description or characteristic of the Messiah. Around the same time, so about 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the Old Testament prophet Micah wrote about how the future Messiah would come from Bethlehem and would be our peace. Listen to his words in Micah chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. He wrote that he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely. From then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. Now, if you read all of Micah chapter 5, it's clear that he was writing about the Messiah. And there's another Old Testament prophet by the name of Zechariah who gave a similar description of the Messiah. Zechariah lived about 500 years before the birth of Jesus, and he wrote his book in order to give people hope, a kind of hope that would only come through the Messiah. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this prophecy about the Messiah should sound familiar to us. Isaiah was predicting the triumphal entry of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. This is something that we talk about every year. And this is another reminder that what the New Testament proves, the Old Testament prophesied. All of God's word, Genesis to Revelation, is about Jesus. All of the Old Testament prophets were consistent when writing about the details and the descriptions of the Messiah. And then we get to the New Testament, specifically Luke's gospel. And I hope you were able to read through Luke's gospel leading up to Christmas this year. Personally, my eyes were open to so many truths about who Jesus is and how God wants to use me as a kingdom worker. Luke's gospel is the most descriptive when it comes to the events of Jesus' birth. And that's for good reason. Luke was a doctor. He cared a lot about the details. Throughout Luke chapter 1, we read about another man who was also named Zechariah. Now, this isn't Zechariah the Old Testament prophet, but Zechariah the father of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1, verses 76 through 79, Zechariah made this proclamation about the Messiah. Now, this is part of a passage of Scripture commonly known as Zechariah's Song. You know, some of the very first songs of Christmas were sung before the birth of Jesus. So Luke chapter 1, verses 76 through 79, this is what we read. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. So in these two verses, Zechariah was talking about his son, John the Baptist, and then he switches gears to talk about the coming Messiah. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Zechariah was singing about how the Messiah would redeem his people and how his son, John, would prepare the way for the Messiah. Luke chapter 2 is another familiar passage that we read every year around Christmas. 
It's in this chapter that we read about how a single angel appeared to a group of shepherds, and then a multitude of angels appeared. And this is the message that they brought. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So this was the angel's song, words that we also sing in contemporary songs today. The angels were praising God and singing about the peace that the Messiah would bring. I wanted to share all of these verses with you so that you could see the common thread of peace that stretches from the Old Testament over 700 years before Jesus was born to the New Testament when God's people witnessed God's promise being fulfilled. Isaiah wrote about how the Messiah would be called Prince of Peace and the angels sang about how peace had been born. But what does this all mean? What does the description Prince of Peace really mean? Well, the word prince refers to someone who's the head, the captain, the governor, or the ruler of people. As the Prince of Peace, one pastor described Jesus as the go-to guy for peace. He's the source of peace in our lives. The Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. Shalom. That's a fun word to say. In ancient Jewish tradition, this word meant a whole lot more than experiencing a stress-free day. It meant more than being able to watch a beautiful sunrise or sunset. For God's people in the Old Testament, shalom, peace, was even valued more than truth. Rabbis would argue that if there was a situation in which truth and peace were in conflict with each other, peace should always take precedence. And that's because this word shalom literally means to be wholly unified with God and others. You know, at one point in time, it was more important for God's people to be unified with God, be unified with others, than to be right all the time. Andy Stanley puts this idea into more modern terms when he says, you are more important than my view. So from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God's people were taught that those who followed God should love peace and pursue it. They should love their neighbors and they should bring others to the one who's the only real source of peace. Isaiah, Micah, and Zechariah in the Old Testament all wrote to a group of people who were alive during some very dark and difficult times. These people wanted peace in the midst of struggle, peace in the midst of war, and peace with their neighboring nations. You know, who wouldn't want that? But it's important for us to understand that Jesus didn't come to put an end to war. He didn't come to remove corrupt kings. As the Prince of Peace, Jesus ushered in a different kind of peace. If you're taking notes, the first truth for today is that Jesus brings vertical peace. And that's peace with God. As we head into a new year, can you honestly say that you have peace with God? Do you have a right relationship with God? It's the age-old question. If you were to die today, having to stand before a holy and perfect God, what would your reception be like? Would you hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or would he say, depart from me, I never knew you. Isaiah was writing about a kind of Messiah who would govern and rule in the lives of people in all the right ways. This is challenging for all of us in one way or another because we like to govern and rule our own lives. We want to be in control of our own lives. We think we're the masters of our own destiny. The first step towards experiencing peace with God 
is recognizing that there's been a conflict between you and God and that you need to be made right with God. If you've never made the decision to believe in Jesus and trust in him as Lord of your life, that's something that I want to encourage you to do before we head into a new year. Today, you might need to deal with this issue of being made right with God. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He said, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, another word there is justified in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Friends, if you want to experience the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the peace of God in your life, then come to him through faith in Jesus Christ. This truth raises a few more very important questions. Do you rest completely on Jesus' saving work on the cross for you? In other words, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he died for you on the cross, that he was buried and was raised from death after three days? Have you recognized that you're a sinner by nature and by choice, a sinner who's in need of a savior? Have you repented of your sin? That word repent just means to turn around or turn 180 degrees. Have you confessed your belief in Jesus publicly? And have you made the decision to be baptized into Christ? Have you been immersed? Jesus is the only one who brings peace with God. He's our shalom, our prince of peace. It's impossible to talk about Christmas, the cradle at Christmas, without talking about the cross and the crown. When we talk about the life of Christ, we have to talk about all three. We talk about the cradle, the incarnation, you know, when God became flesh and lived among us. We talk about the cross, the crucifixion, when Jesus died for the sins of the world. And we talk about the crown, the resurrection, when God raised Jesus from the dead and how he's now living forever in glory at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us. Yes, Jesus was given to us as a baby, but that's not where the story ends. This baby grew up and lived a perfect, sinless life. This baby grew up and went to the cross where he died for you and for me. And this baby grew up to be a man who was raised from death so that we could have peace with God. Jesus brings vertical peace, peace with God. Number two, Jesus brings internal peace. This is the peace of God. Unfortunately, many Christians don't experience the peace of God, that internal peace in the way that God desires. When so many things around us are going wrong, when there's a lack of consistency and a sense of uncertainty, how is it that we can experience the peace of God in our lives? This is certainly easier said than done. Let's look at another verse that was written by Isaiah that highlights this important truth. Isaiah 26, verse 3, he wrote, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. This is a verse that we all need to memorize. Over the past three weeks, Isaiah 9, 6 has been our memory verse, and my plan was to have that verse be our memory verse for four weeks. But then I came across this verse, Isaiah 26, 3. I decided to 
add this as our memory verse for this week. I want to encourage you to write this verse down on a piece of paper and place it somewhere where you can see it on a daily basis. This is a great verse to memorize as we head into a new year. If you're having trouble experiencing the peace of God in your life, and we all do at times, what a great reminder for us today. We all experience a lack of God's peace in our lives, especially when things become over-politicized in our country, when COVID cases ramp up, when loved ones are sick, when relationships are broken, when our kids are acting out, or when work isn't going well. The list goes on. Well, there are three words from this verse that I want to talk about today, words that will help us understand the peace of God more clearly. The first word is the word keep. Isaiah wrote that you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. This word keep more accurately means to guard, to protect, or to hide. It doesn't mean that we'll never experience trouble or hard times, but what it does mean is that we're protected or hidden in Christ in the midst of our troubles. Remember, Jesus didn't keep his disciples from the storm. Instead, he went with them through it. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be with Jesus in the midst of the storm than to not be in a storm without him. If you're in Christ, Jesus will guard, protect, and hide you in himself in the midst of the storm. The second word is the word perfect. Isaiah said, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Our English word for perfect doesn't appear in the original Hebrew text. A more accurate translation of the verse would actually read, you will keep in peace, peace, him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. So Isaiah was using repetition for emphasis on the word peace. He uses that word twice. And we do the exact same thing in our own lives. When we worship together on Sundays, some of the songs that we sing emphasize certain words through repetition. One example is the lyrics to the Christmas carol, What Child Is This? Uh, We've sang this song a couple of times this season. The lyrics go like this. This, this is Christ the King. Haste, haste to bring him praise. Joy, joy for Christ is born. Hail, hail the word made flesh. So we use repetition to emphasize certain words and certain truths about God. If you see a good movie, you might say something like, I really, really liked that movie. You use repetition to emphasize certain words. Isaiah was doing the exact same thing when he wrote, you will keep in peace, peace, him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Jesus, our Prince of Peace, will keep you in peace, peace, when you trust in him. Jesus said a similar thing to his disciples in John 14, verse 27, when he said, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. He was emphasizing this peace that Jesus has ushered in. He actually spoke these words to his disciples just a short time before he went to the cross. And I can only imagine the lack of peace that many of them must have been experiencing. One result of Jesus' work on the cross and the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is a kind of deep and lasting peace that's only found in Jesus. The third word, which really is the key to the entire verse, is the word trust. Isaiah wrote, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. 
This is what makes experiencing the peace of God so difficult in our daily lives. We tend to get so focused on our circumstances that we forget about how God is the one who's ultimately in control. Between personal struggles, global and local events, and our own busyness, it's really easy to take our eyes off of the only one who can provide deep and lasting peace in our lives. We tend to focus on the things that are only momentary troubles. If you're anything like me, you likely struggle with trust. If this describes your life, let me remind you today that Jesus is our perfect Prince of Peace, and he's perfectly trustworthy. Bruce Larson was a pastor and a Christian author who passed away back in 2008. For many years, he had an office in New York City where people would come in for counseling. Bruce wrote about how many people would come to him for advice, using the opportunity to unburden themselves with the struggles and the problems that they were experiencing. And this reminds me of the words of James in the New Testament. Confess to others and you will be healed. You know, there's healing when we confess our sins and our struggles to other believers. Well, whenever someone would come in who was especially overburdened, Bruce would walk them to the elevator, take them down to the lobby of the building, and then show them the statue Atlas, where a man is holding the weight of the world on his shoulders. This statue is now located at the Rockefeller Center. As he was showing the individual the statue, he would say something like this, here's the most powerful man in the world, and he can barely stand up under the burden and the weight that's on his shoulders. He would say, that's one way to live, trying to carry the world on your shoulders. Well, he would then walk the individual across the street to St. Patrick's Cathedral, where they would walk behind the altar together. There's a shrine at the cathedral depicting Jesus as a boy, probably no more than 12 years old. Bruce would show the individual an image of Jesus holding the entire world in his hands. He would then say something like this, you and I have a choice. We can either carry the world on our shoulders or we can decide to trust God by giving him our whole lives, by giving him our whole world. Friends, The peace of God comes when we surrender our lives to Jesus. Instead of trying to carry all of our fears, all of our struggles, and all of our disappointments by ourselves, we can surrender to Jesus. He's the one who carries us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, the Apostle Paul echoed Isaiah's description of the Messiah when he wrote these words, For he himself is our peace. Jesus is our perfect prince of peace. He's the go-to guy for peace. He brings vertical peace. That's peace with God. Jesus brings internal peace. It's the peace of God in our lives. So the question for today, will you trust him as your prince of peace as we head into a new year?